0: Amen. Uh, We are offering Grief Share here at the church. Uh, Mr. Doug and Michelle Wilson are faithful to be able to teach this class. And uh, it's just a constant reminder that um, the holidays are not always happy for everyone, right? Sometimes it's some of the most difficult time of the year uh, as you very from the loss of your loved ones and especially those of you who may be experiencing a holiday season for the very first time without someone. Uh, that you love very dearly, and so I don't know if Doug and Michelle are in the house. Uh, I see they in the back, but y'all just wave your hands there that's that's Doug and Michelle in the back there and they'll be teaching that class and so if you're interested in signing up for that, uh, you can see um, us at the information desk at the front. you can grab Doug and Michelle uh, they'll they can hang out here a little bit extra right after church if you if you want to find them as well but or you can let me know so we'd love to get you involved in that as well so all right, so we're going to jump back into the book of Acts this morning. We are rapidly coming to an end uh, of this wonderful book. And so uh, we're going to be picking up, really, we're going to cover two whole chapters today, but I'm going to narrow it down to, to Paul's testimony uh, before um, as he's sharing um, before King Agrippa. And uh, just some interesting insight that I think you'll, you'll get a lot of benefit from as I was bring, being able to prepare this, this message and really focusing on this idea of uh, the, the difference and the contrast between darkness and, and light. And, and I'm really looking forward to doing that. So um, today, I guess March the day, we're back on standard time. Is that how that works? Does anybody not do daylight savings thing? Does anybody just keep their watch the same all year long? My grandfather was that way. He he was like, I don't know what you're trying to do. It's the same amount of hours in a day. I don't know what you're you're trying to confuse me. But um, so apparently we set our clocks back. We maybe get maybe feel a little more rested this morning. Perhaps I don't know where our Sunday school class is more full this morning. Because if you if you came up an hour early, you could have at least come to our Sunday school class, right? I don't know. I I'd have, I'd have to really measure that to see if, if the, the day that we set our clocks back is the high, most highly attended Sunday uh, school day of the year. But no, I mean, with smartphones today, they, it, you know, nobody oversleeps anymore. Nobody gets it wrong anymore. Most of our smartphones are automatically updating for us, and so we don't have those excuses uh, anymore. But uh, kind of an interesting concept, and I was talking to this with my son. I was talking about this in our journey class, in our Sunday school class, just trying to wrap your head around what what are we actually trying to do with Daylight Savings? And the best way that I can comprehend it and maybe understand it is we're basically manipulating time to make our workday fit in the longest period of daylight that there is available for us. So whatever time of the year, you know, as days get shorter and days get longer and those kind of things, we have to kind of adjust our clocks a little bit so that we get the most out of the day. I think that's pretty much how to simplify it, right? Um, and so it really ties in to what I'm going to share with you this morning about how we have work to do, and if you're going to do work, especially if you, if you, if you look at, at Jesus' day, which was a primarily an agricultural society, right, if they were going to get anything done, it had to be what? It had to be during the day. And so by the time the sun set and night had fallen, the day was over, you know, they didn't have the electricity that we have today and can keep things powered up and and those things. So, I mean, they were basically bound to run on the cycle of the day. And so they had to get their work done during the day. And really, that's where we are right now. As a church, Jesus said it in his earthly ministry, he had this window of an opportunity. It's like, I have a work, I have a job to do, I have a mission to fulfill. I need to do it while it is still day because night is coming. Well, I'm not going to be with you anymore. But then he gives his disciples the instructions to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And really, the beginning of the book of Acts and, and, and continuing all the way through, as I've said before, what's interesting about the book of Acts is that it is open ended, it does not have an ending, which should help us remember that it is still continuing today. And we're in this kind of this summer season. If, I, if I've said this before in our, in our journey class, we've been talking about the different feasts of Israel and how Jesus fulfilled the spring feast in his first coming and he's going to fulfill the fall feast in his second coming. And right now we're between the spring and the fall, which is what? Which is the summer, right? So prophetically speaking, we're in this long summer season. And, and let me tell you something, God is trying to draw out the summer and, this, and you think about the summer being a period of time where God has extended patience and mercy and grace to all the nations of the world. And he's commissioned his church to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And that is our job to do until he what? Until he returns. And when he returns, it's going to, the summer will be over and that season, that era, that, that uh, age of grace will be over and judgment will come. And so right now, from a, just a prophetic perspective, we need to think of ourselves as, as being able to do the work of the Lord while it is still summer, while it is still day, because a day is coming when summer will, will end and our work will be done. Amen. And so thinking about those things, I, I hope and pray that today's message will, will help us get a, a deeper understanding of this, of this contrast between light and darkness, between being children of light as opposed to being lost in darkness as the rest of the world. And Paul gives us a little bit more of an interesting perspective. Remember, as we get into the last few chapters of the book of Acts, Paul is able to share his testimony, his conversion experience. He shares it multiple times, he shares it over and over and over again. And so, you know, it's just like our testimony. We may share our testimony to somebody one day, and we may leave out a couple of details that, that you know, they may or may not be that important, but the, but the main story is there, right? And we may share how Jesus saved us and how he's changed our, our lives, and our life has not been different since and all that kind of stuff. And, and yet we may share it with somebody else another time, and, and we may include something that, that was part of that, that experience. And so this is exactly what we find Paul doing in the book of Acts chapter 25 and 26. And so Acts 25 really is this entire dialogue that Paul has um, with the, the governors of that region. And he's basically saying, I appeal to Caesar because my accusers are not here to, so I can defend myself before them. So I want to go to Caesar. And so he said, well, then to Caesar you shall go. Um, and so then later we see that Felix turns things over and uh, he turns it over to Festus. And so if you, you've got these, these leaders, Felix, and you've got Festus, and so as uh, they're, they're having these conversations and they're having to figure out, you know, what am I going to do with Paul? Um, now we see in Acts chapter 26, we have King Agrippa, and King Agrippa is brought before Paul. Paul is brought before King Agrippa, and now Paul has an opportunity to share his testimony with this king and his sister Bernice. And so I want to pick up really in the in the depth of this uh, dialogue here that Paul is having with King Agrippa, he goes through and he begins to tell him about his conversion. And let's read verse 12 in, in Acts chapter 26, and we're just going to read 12 through 18, and we'll jump off right there and, and look at what I believe God has in store for us this morning. So again, Acts 26 verse 12, Paul tells of his conversion. It says... In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. Now look at what he says. Brighter than the sun. Don't miss that. So here's Paul. It's noon. It's high noon. He's on the way to Damascus. He's got authority from the chief priest. He knows that there is a a remnant of believers in Damascus who were followers of Jesus Christ, and he has one mission. He's going to go find them. He's going to go drag them to prison, and he's going to hope that they all are either imprisoned or put to death. And so he's on the way with this zealous mission with authority from the religious leaders of, of, of Jerusalem. And it's high noon, midday, and he says, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. It shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you. Now listen to what he says in verse 17. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. And here's his purpose. And this is the little extra nugget. This is the little extra detail now that Paul inserts into his testimony as he's speaking to King Agrippa. He says, To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, place, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Interesting. So today's message really just comes down to from darkness to light. From darkness to light. Now light, light is fascinating. Um, very complex in nature. Light actually has two natures. Light can be a wave, but it also exists as a particle. And I know I'm getting really technical here, but that's important because most matter is either or. Most matter is either a wave or, it's also, or it can be a particle. It can't be both. But when we began to be able to discover light and look at it through electron microscopes and really, you know, put it under the scientific uh, testing and all those kind of things, we figured out that light is actually both. It can manifest itself in both a wave and as a particle. And that's important. I want you to hold on to that for just a second because I'm going I'm to refer to that a little bit later. But, you know, do we really understand light? I mean, like we can tell you how fast it's going, at least the two-way speed of light. Because the only way we can measure the speed of light is to shoot it this way and bounce it off something and, and then divide the distance, and then that gives us the speed of light. Does anybody know what the speed of light is? 186,000 miles per second, at least the two-way speed of light. We don't know the one-way speed. That's, that's for a, a topic for a different discussion. But, it, but it's very interesting. And here's the thing. Darkness, if you, if you start to contrast Darkness, darkness can be defined as the absence of light. Okay? And so the least amount of light will always conquer the darkness. And and we saw that uh, Thursday night. I think Micah uh, shared a little bit about that, and it was so amazing. We were able to take the kids into the chapel, and we did the the pumpkin presentation where we were sharing the gospel with them. And and the the climax of that whole presentation was we put a light in the the pumpkin with a cross in it. It was carved out, and we, we hit the lights it was, that room was completely dark, except that one pumpkin and that candle's burning in, inside that, that pumpkin with the cross. And I promise you, every person in that room, every eye was fixed on what? On the light. It's like it's impossible to turn away from the light when you're in a dark room, isn't it? Because light always conquers darkness. Light always overcomes. Even the smallest amount of light, you can have the smallest little flame, the small, smallest little ember, and you're going to see it. In the, in the darkest room. It's fascinating. Again, I, I'm not trying to get too technical here, but I want you to think deeply with me this morning to see what Paul's talking about when he's saying, look, my purpose in life was to go to the Gentiles, it was to turn them from darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God. And we're going to find out more about that in just a moment, okay? But the first thing in truth I want to share with you this morning is this. God is the source, okay? He's the source and sustainer of all light, both natural light and supernatural. Now, a universe without light, okay, would be a universe without life. If there were no light, there could be no what? No life. We cannot live without light. A source of light must be present in order for us to live. Everything in this room right here is invisible, Because if we didn't have any light, could we see it? Think about that for a second. The only way we can see anything in this room this morning is because there's light shining. And that light gives us the ability to bounce off an object so it registers with our, through our eyes and into our brain so that we can actually see what is in this room. But if there were no light, everything in this room would be invisible. We couldn't see it. But now we go to the, the nature of God himself, and the Bible is very clear, and there's so many passages of Scripture that talk about God as being the source of light, and he is also the sustainer of light. John says in 1 John chapter 1, he says, God is light, and there is no what? No darkness in him. Think about that. Listen, there are certain passages of Scripture that talk about God is. God is holy. God is love. The Bible says God is Light. That means he is the source, the very source of all light. Now, I want you to consider something with me this this morning. It's pretty interesting. The properties of light itself. Pure light is what color? It's white. Pure light is white. But we know that white light consists of a compound unity. There are three primary colors that create white light, red, blue, and green. And then when you shine pure light through a prism or a spectrum, what do you get? You get the colors of the spectrum. How many colors are in the spectrum? Who remembers their acronym, ROYGBIV? Anybody remember that? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, right? Right. There are are seven colors in the spectrum of light. Pure white light is white, okay? But when you shine it through a prism, it, it, it refracts into these seven different colors. But there are three primary colors, red, blue, and green. Now think about what I just described. Pure light, which is white, is a compound unity. There's one God who exists in three distinct persons. One God who is a compound unity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in his perfection, the number seven is the number of what? Perfection. Let me teach you some numerology this morning. The number seven is the biblical number of perfection. And in God's perfection, he casts beauty upon all of his creation with all the varied colors of the world. And so therefore, God in his pure white uh, unhindered undefiled light is one God who exists in three distinct persons and in his creative power he has given us this beautiful world to to observe and to be blessed with so that we can see all the manifest glory of God through the creation through all the different colors uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year because as Jordan and I were riding up to to the church this morning the leaves are starting to what starting to turn, right? And you see the orange and the reds and the yellows and the greens. And it's a beautiful time. Look, that's the beauty. The perfection of God is manifest in this, as he is the source of light. And in him there is no darkness. God is so pure. In his nature, remember, God is light. He is so pure and powerful and holy in his nature that if any one of us were ever to be able to be exposed to the fullness of his glory at that very moment, we would disintegrate. We could not survive. It would be like standing at the impact of an atomic bomb. We would just completely disintegrate if we were standing in the presence and the fullness of the glory of God, who is all light. He, he dwells, as we're going to say, He dwells in unapproachable light. He is the source of light. Listen to some of the scriptures in Ezekiel 128. I love this. Ezekiel's given a vision of the Lord on his throne. It says, It was like the appearance of the rainbow that is in the cloud of the day in the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I jumped up for joy. When I saw it, I what? I fell face down. Because anytime we are exposed to the glory and the brilliance and the, the, the supremacy of the glory of God, and that we have no other response than to fall down in his mercy if we don't die altogether. Because think about Moses had the, the audacity, which he said, Moses is the most humble man on the face of the earth, is what it said about Moses. At the same time, he had a unique relationship with the Lord because he spoke with the Lord. How? Face to face. And he asked the Lord one day as he was going to go back up on the mountain the second time as he went back up to the top of the Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments for the second time, what did he ask the Lord? He said, Lord, please let me see your glory. And listen to what the Lord said to him. You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. God said, look, you don't even know what you're asking because if you really were to see me in the fullness of my glory you would immediately disintegrate. So what he said, I'll tell you, I'll work a deal out for you. I'm going to take you and I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock and I'm going to let my port, my glory pass by you and then you can kind of catch me on the backside as I'm moving past you, but that's about all I can do. Cuz otherwise you would die. And when Moses came down from the mountain what happened to his face? It was shining. Just glowing. As I said a little earlier in First Timothy chapter 6, it says this. It says, we're waiting for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, listen, who dwells in unapproachable light and whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and dominion and glory forever. Amen. So anytime that a person has an experience in the, in the scriptures and sees God, okay, because there are there are instances where people meet with God, like Moses, he met with the Lord face to face. Listen, all of those, all of those encounters, all of those experiences, that is the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus is the image of the what? Invisible God. So anytime God allows us to see him, quote unquote see him, he is veiled in the person of who? Of Jesus Christ. He is, the Son. he is God the Son. He is the second member of this Holy Trinity. And anytime a person sees God, it is only through the veil of Jesus. Because had God allowed any of us to see him in the fullness of his glory, we would not survive. So he is the source of light. But he's also, listen, he's the sustainer of light. Now I want you to think about something for, for a moment. In the creation week, day one. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and was out, void, was formless and void, without form, and the spirit of God's hovering over the waters and over the, the face of the deep. So there's a darkness implied there. And then what did God do on the first day? He created, "Let there be light." He created light. Well, on day three, he created plants. And those plants were bearing. Fruit, they were grown, they were growing, they were surviving. There was no sun on day three. Guess what day God created the sun, moon, and all the stars of heaven? It wasn't until day four. So God is the source, so there was a source of light. We don't know exactly what the source of light was before he created the sun, but we know there was a source of light. I believe personally it was the Lord himself. Because he is light. And he, he set the days in motion and he, he acted or basically served as the, the replacement for the sun until he created the sun on day four of creation week. And so therefore, God is the, not just the source, but he is also the sustainer of light. Now, here's something interesting. If you go all the way back to, to the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it says that in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more sun. Because who will be its light? The Lord and the Lamb will be the light. Amen. So he is the source and he, was the, he is the sustainer. Now listen, remember what I told you about Paul. Paul said, I'm going to the road down the road to Damascus. It's high noon. The sun is out. I know how bright the sun is, but when the Lord came to me, there was a light that shone around me that was what? Brighter than the sun. See, God is brighter than the natural light of the sun. He is more powerful than the natural light of the sun. And so Paul had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus in all of his glory, at least to the point where he didn't die. But I'm going to tell you something, it knocked them all down. And when Paul got up, he couldn't see. He was blinded by this unapproachable light. And so we understand that God is the sustainer of life. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 1. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of His being. Listen, He is sustaining all things by by His powerful Word. Right now, the universe is being held together at the molecular level, at the atomic level. It's being held together by one person. His name is Jesus. If Jesus, for one moment stopped sustaining the universe, everything would disintegrate and fall into destruction. But the Bible says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is the creator, and he is sustaining everything, holding it together so that everything will continue as it is to function, as it's supposed to function. So the same Jesus that Paul meets along the road to Damascus is the same creator. He is the pure light who's holding everything together. And so Paul walks out of darkness into marvelous light. And yet the irony is the the man was blinded because he met the source and the sustainer of light. Number two, we want to remember that light represents every good thing from God. I made a little, a little chart for myself, and I'm just going to go down the list, okay? Real simple. Light represents every good thing from God. Listen to what it says in James chapter 1. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights with whom there is no change or shifting shadow. Every good and perfect gift that we have on this earth comes down from the Father of lights who is the same. He never changes. Listen to this. Light can be contrasted with darkness. Light represents truth, darkness, a lie. Light represents knowledge, darkness, ignorance. Light represents life, darkness, death. Light is salvation, darkness condemnation, light is heaven, darkness is hell, light is victory, darkness is defeat, light is power, darkness is weakness, light is purity, darkness is pollution, holiness and defilement are contrasted. There's unity in light, there's division in darkness, there's good in light, there's evil in darkness, righteousness and sin, love and hate, sight and blindness, warmth and cold. I can keep I could go on and on and on and on, okay? Peace and chaos, all of these things are contrasted for a reason. It's because we need to be reminded this morning that all of the good things that I listed this morning in that list, they come from God. And they come from having a relationship with the God of light. And then everyone else who is apart or is separated from God or who does not have this relationship with God, they're walking in the other column. They're walking in all of those other things like Darkness and ignorance and sin and pollution and corruption and division and fear and all of those things. And we have to remember that this morning that He is the source of every good and perfect gift that comes from above. But then Paul, he gives us another player in the game. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, My, my mission is to open the eyes, open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan. From the power of Satan to God. Let's talk about the the arch enemy for a minute. Satan is the prince of darkness. That's who he is. He's the adversary. He's the accuser. He's he's anti-God. Everything God is, Satan is anti. If God is light, Satan is darkness he's anti he is the prince of darkness okay listen he has a purpose his sole purpose is to keep the whole world lost in darkness one of the things that i was able to share with our groups as they came in here thursday night during our trunk retreat is that the picture that we were able to see and create with the pumpkins and the create with turning out the lights is this listen we live in a dark world we do and that means that there's a lot of people, the majority of the people that you meet, they may pretend or they may try to ignore it or they may try to um, you know, completely fool you, but most of them, they're walking around. Listen, they're afraid, they're alone, they're hurting, they're hopeless. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that they're still in the power of Satan. The power of Satan. This is what exactly what he says, right? That they would turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan. What does that mean? Well, the Bible tells us what it means in 1 John 5, 19. We know that we're from God, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world, guys, lies under the clutches and in the power of the evil one. And he goes on to say, we know that the Son of God has come. He's given us understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Another contrast that we see here in the whole world lies in the power of Satan. In Ephesians 6, again, we're called, remember, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Listen, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Against rulers, against authorities, and against the powers of this world's darkness. Against the spiritual forces of darkness in this present world. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a battle. There is There is spiritual power in the kingdom of darkness. Satan and these other principalities, these other wicked demonic principalities and powers, they are at work effectively keeping people oppressed. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 4, listen to what it says. He says, Paul writes, he says, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, listen, So people who are perishing, people who are walking in darkness, listen, in their case, the God of this world, his name is Satan. He's the God of this world. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You see, Satan has one purpose, just like Paul has one purpose, just like you and I have one purpose. Satan has one purpose. He's got to keep the people blinded. He's got to keep them distracted. He's got to keep them in darkness because if they happen to see the light of the glory of Christ and the gospel and the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to want that just like it is in any dark room. When you see the light, you're drawn to it. So Satan is effectively trying to keep unbelievers blinded. For God said, let light shine out of darkness He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ Himself. So you've got this effectively, this spiritual force, this satanic kingdom, this this darkness that is actively and effectively keeping people blinded in our world. But listen, there's another thing working against people in this world, and it's called our nature because Jesus speaks about this too. Listen to what he says. I'm going to read from John chapter 3 right now. By nature, men prefer darkness and hate the light because our deeds are evil. I, I I can look back on my life before I knew Jesus Christ, before I was in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't want anybody talking to me about God. I didn't want anybody holding me accountable because of the sinful choices that I was making in my life because I loved the darkness. I loved the sinful life that I was leaving. I loved being the God who called the shots in my own life, being the one who didn't have to answer to anybody. I loved that because in my own nature and in our nature, that's who we are. We love darkness. We hate the light. Listen to what Jesus said. John 3, this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world. Guys, there's a real danger in people who suppress the truth, who ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit, who ignore our conscience because God gave us a conscience so that we would know that which is right from wrong... But there is a principle in the Scriptures. We actually actually came up in our journey class just this morning. There's a principle in the Scriptures that says that the more we harden ourselves against God, the more we reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the more that we do not listen to our conscience that's trying to tell us in our heart, we know that it's wrong, we know we're living sinful lives, the more that we reject that, it says there comes a point where our conscience could be seared. In other words, if you continually to reject God and harden your heart and rebel against the Lord, you say, I don't want you, God. I don't want you in my life. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I've got this under control. This is my life. I want to do with it whatever I want to do. There comes a point where God says, okay, I will give you what you want. And he sears you in that state right there. That's a scary thing to think about. Like at that point, are you? You, do you have any hope at that point? I, I don't, uh, that's, a, that's a theological question I'm not trying to answer this morning, but I'm saying don't take your chances to continue to reject God until finally he says, okay, I'm just going to give you what you want and sear your conscience to where you don't even know the difference between right and wrong anymore. As a matter of fact, that you think that which is good is evil and that which is evil is good. Sounds like we're living in a world like that today, right? Amen. They call evil good and good evil, darkness light and light darkness. we got a nature problem. The next thing is the the, the good news is that Jesus came came as the light of the world, speaking the truth and showing us the way of salvation. That's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, my, my goal and my mission is I'm trying to turn you from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And the way that we do that is by preaching the gospel and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is. He is the true light. He has come to conquer the forces of evil. He has come to share the good news. He has come speaking the truth. He has come showing us the only way of salvation. Guys, there is only one way. There is only one way. And there are so many benefits of salvation, and this is your next point. I'm just going to read this out because I always have to try to get just a gospel plug, okay? This is my gospel plug for today's message. You ready? You can fill in your blank if you want to. The light of the gospel, knowing that Jesus is the light of the world, he has come, right? The light of the gospel is that through faith in Jesus, the light, we can be forgiven of sin, delivered from the power of Satan, restored into the right relationship with the Father, and listen, we get an inheritance in the eternal kingdom of light. Isn't that what Paul said? Look at what he said. He said he wants to turn people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive what? Forgiveness of sins and an inheritance, a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, in Jesus. So Jesus is talking to Paul and he's trying to remind Paul of his purpose and his mission. And listen, you know what he's doing? He's reminding you and he's reminding me of our purpose and our mission. That's what he's doing. He's saying, I have an inheritance for all who believe in me, I have a, a message of forgiveness for all who will trust in me. I have a relationship to offer all who will trust in me. I have deliverance from the bondage and the power of Satan. I can set you free from this life of darkness and hopelessness. I have all of these good Um, and perfect gifts that come from me by through the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul would say something like this to the church in Colossae. He said, I'm giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Listen, he's talking about being children of light. He's saying he's qualified you and me when we trust Jesus. We share in the inheritance of the saints of light because he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into The kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That is powerful, guys, because at that point, when you come and you're delivered out of the domain of darkness and you're transferred into the kingdom of light, listen, you no longer become of the world, even though you still might be in the world. You now become a citizen of the kingdom of light. And we walk in a dark world as citizens, as representatives as children of God, children of light in a dark world. There's so many benefits. I mean, we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with each other through Christ. I mean, guys, I'm just going to be real with you for just a second. We don't, I don't have more authentic, meaningful relationships with anybody else in life than you, my church family. There's not a blood relative in my life that I have a more meaningful and deeper relationship than I do with you. How is that possible? Through Jesus. Because he's given us the the ability to to have fellowship because we walk in the light. And I thank God that my wife and my three boys are are (laughs) believers in Jesus Christ because I have a deeper relationship with them today. Not because they're my wife and my boys, but because... They're my brothers and my sisters. There's so many benefits. But let me give you the last purpose, how all this really comes together. It's the same message that the Lord gave Paul. It's the same message that you and I have today. Hey, listen, guys. As children of the light, as followers of Jesus Christ, we become children of the light and we're given the privilege of spreading the gospel of hope in a dark world. Let me read verse 19 through 23. Listen if you if you have Acts 27, I'm excuse me, Acts 26. Listen to what it says. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to my heavenly vision, but I declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple. They tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God, and I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Light. I want to ask you a question. How do we open somebody's eyes? Isn't that what Jesus told Paul? This is your purpose, this is your mission to open their eyes. I'm going to give you a couple of things that I think may help you this morning to, to see that there is our, our responsibility in this process, but we know that nobody can truly see and nobody's eyes can truly be open without the, the effective work of the Holy Spirit in their life. We, we understand that, and I want to just say that on the, on the front end. If we're witnessing to somebody and the Holy Spirit is not effectively working in them, I, I don't care what you say. I don't care how articulate you are in sharing the gospel. They're probably not going to get it. It's just there's a supernatural element to that, that we have to trust the Holy Spirit. you got to do your part. We'll do our part. Holy Spirit, we're going to trust you do your part. So there is something that has to be going on from a spiritual unseen perspective. But listen, I think we do have some things. There are some things we can do as children of the light to help people see. The first thing is I think we can reach out and gently take people by the hand and lovingly lead them into the light. And the reason that I say that is because when people are scared and people are hurting and people are lost and people are comfortable in their darkness, you don't want to just shock them, do you? You don't want to just shine the, the floodlight in their eyes and say, repent and believe in Jesus, right? I mean, you don't want to put them into shock. You want to lovingly and, and gently lead them. Say, come, come with me. Come, just, just follow me. Just, just walk with me for a little bit, and I want to lead you into the light. And that may be leading them into your home. That may be leading them into just a simple conversation. That may be leading them into a church service just like this. Whatever it looks like. But, but that's part of, I think, our responsibility is to, to love people to Jesus and, and to lead, lovingly, gently lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But the second thing I think we need to remember is that when we share the gospel itself, The Bible says two things. The gospel is the power of God unto what? Unto salvation for all who believe. So what does that mean? That means that when we just share this message, that from a worldly perspective doesn't probably make any sense whatsoever. They don't even know what you're talking about when you start talking about a cross and blood and Jesus and a tomb. And what in the world are you talking about? Look, it doesn't have to make sense because the gospel itself is the power of God. And so we let him use it and work. And here's the next thing. The Bible says that faith comes through hearing. And hearing comes through the word of Christ or the gospel. And so when we share the gospel, when we share our testimony, when we tell people about the love and the light of Jesus Christ, that in and of itself is effective to open somebody's eyes. And here's the last one we got to live it. We have got to live it. Our walk must match up with our talk. Amen. Because I don't care how spiritually blind and in spiritual darkness you may be, when you see somebody perform a good deed, a loving act of kindness in the name of Jesus, I don't care who you are, you're going to see that and you're gonna, that's going to register with you and you're going to appreciate that. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was getting to when he said, listen, yeah, I'm the light of the world. I've come so that man may not walk in darkness. But do you know what he told his people? You know what he told you and me? In Matthew 5, he said, you are the what? Church, we are the what? We're the light of the world. He said, hey, I'm going back to the Father in heaven. It's better that I go away to the Father because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you, and the Holy Spirit's going to live in you, my Spirit in you, everywhere you go, my light shines through you. I'm no longer in the world in the flesh, but you are, and you become my light. That's what the church is here for. And he said, and you let your light shine before men so that when they see your good deeds, they may what? Glorify my Father who is in heaven. So these are some things I do believe we can do to help people open up their eyes. As our praise team comes up, I'm going to share one more thing with you. We just came out of uh, Halloween. And uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, should Christians celebrate Halloween and Should Christians dress up and get all scary and watch horror movies? And should the church do stuff around Halloween? And, you know, I'm I'm not going to get into the the debate about, you know, what we should do. I think what we did Thursday night here was very appropriate. I think it was very Christ-honoring. I think lots of people got loved on here. Yeah, they got their candy and all that good stuff. But listen, we loved on a lot of people. We shared the gospel with a lot of people. I like what we did here. You know, what you do with your family is up to you. But listen, here's something I want to share with you. And it doesn't matter whether it's Halloween or the movie that you're going to go see tonight or the the conversation you're going to have at the break room tomorrow. Here's the reality. Everything that we do in life, everything, is either in participation with light or it's in participation with darkness. Everything. Every word that comes out of your mouth is going to be a reflection of either light or it's going to be a reflection of darkness. Every attitude of your heart, everything that you do, everything that you participate in in life is going to lead you a little bit closer to the what? To the light or it's going to lead you a little bit closer to the darkness. What I'm trying to say is, guys, there is no neutral ground. It's either or. It's black or white. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Jesus said it this way He said, If you're not for me, you're against me, period. And so it doesn't matter what we do in life. You can ask her, if you're you're having trouble with a wisdom situation, should I go here, should I talk to this person, should I watch this movie, should I work at this job, whatever it is, whatever question, you just simply lay it down before the Lord. You lay it down in front of yourself and you ask yourself this question, is this going to lead me closer to the light or is this going to lead me closer to darkness? And that will give you your what? Simple. And if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, guess what? He's going to show you exactly what the answer is. So guys, as we go, before we sing, let me just give you this challenge. We are the light of the world. Only because Christ lives in us. So whatever you've got to do, guys, if, listen, if your light is not burning very bright right now, because I've been there as a Christian, man, I have been there where my light was so poor and pitiful. And it was just barely still hanging on. Now listen, you never lose it. Once the Spirit of God comes and joins Himself with your spirit, that's an inseparable union. You'll never lose your salvation. But I'm going to be honest with you. There's been times in my Christian walk when my witness was not very bright. And my flame was really suppressed. And it was really pitiful. So there are things we can do to feed the fire, right? So that our flame will what? Burn brighter. Burn brighter. And whatever it is that you've got to do right now, sometimes that's the confession of sin. Maybe you're living in some type of unconfessed sin and it's just whipping you. It's just wearing you down. Sometimes it's just time to get free just say, Lord, I've confessed it. I don't care who knows what knows. I don't care the consequences. I'm ready to get out from under this. I've got to confess it. I want to be forgiven. I want to walk in the light. I don't want to stay hidden in the secrets of the darkness anymore. Whatever it is, maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Whatever it is. Maybe you're, just, maybe you're neglecting your personal relationship with Jesus and you're not, you're not spending time in the Word of God like you know you should and, and in time in prayer because those are the things that feed the fire, right? And then what does it say? If our fire's burning, all we got to do is just go out there and let it what? Just got to let it shine. You don't have to do anything special. You just got to be who you are in Christ. And the world will see it. And this is what they're going to do. Hey, I've been watching you. There's something different about you. I want some of that. Will you tell me what it is? Come on. I'll tell you. That's what we got to do. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for being so good and gracious for bringing us into the light, delivering us from that domain of darkness, from lifting the bonds of sin and the power of Satan and setting us free to serve you and filling us with your spirit to burn brightly within us as we are your children as children of light to shine bright in the darkness for all the world to see. There's a lot of hurting people. There may be some in this room today that are lost and hopeless and hurting. And I pray today, God, that they would not walk out of here without seeking someone to talk to them and pray with them and counsel them. Because, God, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Let today be your day and be glorified in your people, Lord. And as we go, let our light shine so bright, not so that we can give ourselves glory, but so that we can give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Would you stand as we get ready to sing?